0: Well, again, happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, honored that you've joined us today. We are continuing in part two of our series called Road Trip. Open up your Bible to uh, Proverbs chapter four. Uh, we're going to go back to Proverbs chapter four Uh this week, we're going to pick up in verse 20, but I'm doing a little short series on what it looks like to live life in the right direction. What if I told you last week, I shared with you, I said, what if you could find a predictable path that's going to help you get to where you would want to be. We don't have to just live life hoping we end up where we want to be. There is a predictable path that you can get on to ensure you're living in the right direction. And I shared this thought, this overarching thought with you, which was this. It's it's your direction, not your intention, that determines your destination. We, we have a lot of intentions, and we can intend to, to end up somewhere all day long, but if we're not facing that direction, we're not going to get there. It doesn't matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how much we want to end up there. Most of the time, our biggest challenge is that we're facing the wrong direction. And we, we, we wonder and ask ourselves, how did we end up here? And we recognize that a subtle shift in course correcting and changing direction will help us end up really where we want to be. And we talked about in Proverbs chapter 4, we looked at verse 5 through 7, and I want to highlight verse 7 here. We're going to put it on the screen for you. You can open up your Bibles, you can read along with me. But there is this way in which we can do this, this predictable path, the principle of the path. This, This direction that we can move in really is the direction of wisdom. Solomon is writing here in verses uh, 5 through 7 in chapter 4. And in verse 7, he, he wraps up with this. He says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. That at the end of the day, we need to get wisdom at all costs. And if we will get wisdom at all costs, we will ensure that we're moving in the right direction. I shared with you this little thought, kind of a a question, I guess, an overarching question you could ask yourself as you start to look at how do I make decisions and how do I ensure I'm moving in the right direction, living in the right direction, that I'm, I'm choosing to live life with wisdom. And I said this, based on your previous experiences, good and bad, based on your current circumstance or situation, based on all your future hopes and dreams, what's the wisest decision to make? Not what's the decision that feels the best. Not what's the decision that you really want. Not what's the decision that's your preference. Not what's the decision that's going to advance you in your career or expand your uh, 401k portfolio. Not the one that's going to advance your financial position because you could do all those things and actually not end up where you want to be. What's the wisest decision to make? And so as we look at life, I shared with you, okay, maybe you, you, you're you hearing this for the first time or you were with us last week. You're going, all right, I get it. Pastor Chris, I'm tracking with you. I want to live with wisdom. I want to live in the right direction. I want to make wise decisions. I want to evaluate the direction I'm living life because that's really going to determine my destination but what's next? How do I how do I get there? How do I live with wisdom? We talked about wisdom in the book of Proverbs is what? It's, it's like this art of learning to live skillfully. It's understanding prudence and understanding, really understanding how things work. And, and so how do we apply that to everyday life? And, and what I really want to do is kind of build on what I shared with you last week. Before we go on, I started thinking about great trips that I've been on. Many of you, maybe you've had great trip think about the the most exciting trip you've ever been on okay now before you say what that is out loud or think to yourself uh, let me just help you husband say your honeymoon okay that was the best trip you have ever been on okay your honeymoon even if it was terrible and you were in this rundown Airbnb you were still with the love of your life it was the best trip don't say oh that elk hunt I went on last year okay that's not gonna go well with you okay so but outside of your honeymoon what was the best Best trip you were ever on. I, I think about of a few about a few trips that I've been on, and some of those I've been on with Wendy, and and we've been blessed to travel many places within the world. and And one of the trips I think about is we were in Romania on a missions trip, and we were flying out of Romania back into London. We had about an eighteen. Our layover, and Wendy and I had been great friends up to that point for about four years and had kind of developed, you know, feelings for each other, and I had talked to my pastor, and I'm like, man, I think I'm kind of into this, you know, girl, this Cajun queen from Louisiana, and I don't. he's like, are you sure? I was like, "I, I think I'm sure. I'm not sure. Am I not sure? I mean, what are you telling me, you know? And so, you know, it was like, I thought, you know what, this would be romantic. We're flying, and we're about, we're like, you know, our descent into London. And, you know, I did... What all of us did back in 98, I took a note and she was sitting in front of me. I said, do you want to go steady? Check yes or no. She passed it up and that girl said, yes. And I said, give glory to God. Yes. She checked yes or no. They wrote a country song after I did that I about that, you know. I inspired that. I don't even like country music. No offense to any in here, but they like they wrote a song about me writing that note to Wendy, you know? And so she said yes, and so we land into London and now I've I mean I I left the States without a girlfriend. Now I come back and I land in London. I got a girlfriend. I mean, God, you're good, let's go, you know? And so we get into London and you know, we, you know, she didn't know I was going to do that. Otherwise, we probably would have spent time together. You know, we're in London. That's romantic. You kind of hang out, you know, and, and back end of a missions trip. And we did. We had this long 18-hour layover. So I was like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. We already had a game plan. I'm like, I want to see London. Wendy had an idea. Her and her best friend had an idea, too. They decided it would be a good idea on the back end of a missions trip to go see Les Mis in a theater. Boring. I said, no. I'm not doing that. So I did what you do. You know, you go, if you've ever been to London, you ha- they have these double decker buses, right? And you get on there and you have all sorts of options. You can do like see London in a day. And they just kind of take their time. They drive around London, all the sites, and you got someone on a microphone telling you all the different places, and you stop and you can get off the bus and all that stuff. And so they had different ones. It was like see it in a day, see it in half a day. And then they had this one that was like, See London in like three hours. I was like, give me that one. I want that. And so literally, get on this bus. This guy must have been a stand-up comic. We're driving around, and we're like, there's Big Ben. All right, there it goes. All right, wave. Hey, all right. You know, and you're just flying by. We just, Literally, we saw all the sights in like three hours, if it was even that long. Get back. I had the whole experience. I'm like, went and had fish and chips at like this stand. They give it to you in a newspaper. We saw all the stuff. Let me get back to the hotel, and I see Wendy. And I said, how was your time? I had a blast. It was amazing. She was like, it was terrible. She said, I got on the steps and I just fell asleep. I was so tired. The, 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 it was so boring. I didn't know what else to do. And so I said, well, hey, you should have come with us. You, you missed out. And so we decided, I said, all right, well, let's go and let, let's make a day of it. We got a little more time before we got to uh, catch our flight. So we went and up to that point, neither of us had yet experienced The London Underground, if you've ever been there and you've been to London, the London Underground is the subway system in London. And when you walk down there, you see this sign down there. It says, Mind the Gap. Now, you say, well, what does that mean? You, you walk up and you can see, some of you may have been in cities where there's subways and they have something similar to this, but in London, that's the phrase, mind the gap. What does that mean? It means don't get too close or you're going to get sucked in, okay? That's, that's what that means in, in English, all right? And so, uh, you know, it's like, hey, stay back behind this line. You get too close, it could be dangerous. But the other thing that it's communicating is, look, there's a gap between where you're at, the floor the 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 level area and then the train there may be a distance between that you got to mind be aware of that you may drop your keys you may drop your phone you may fall in sometimes there's even a step up you can see in this first picture there's actually an elevated step up so this phrase mind the gap and that word mind just simply means be aware be aware And I started thinking about that phrase as I was praying for you and thinking about this journey, because we've been talking about road trips and life and this journey. And and there's always a couple of parts to every good road trip. There's the planning and the preparation and where you want to go, but then there's the journey itself and then ultimately the destination. But here's the thing that I recognize and realize when we look at our lives. Some of us are very aware, we are keenly aware of the gap in our life between where we're at and where we want to be. You see, what I want to talk to you about today is how do we get from here to there? How how do we close the gap as we're on this journey because every one of us can see a gap in our lives and sometimes that gap can overwhelm us. You see a gap in your marriage. You see a gap in your communication and there's friction and frustration. You see a gap with your children and you're not relating and connecting like you used to. Maybe you're a young person and you see a gap in how your parents understand you and how you communicate and connect. You see a gap in your finances. You see a gap in your destiny and your purpose. You see a gap from where you're at to where you want to be. And you're going, when will I ever get there? You see, that gap can be overwhelming. That gap can overwhelm how we feel, and we really aren't sure how we handle the gap. And what I want to talk to you about today is how we navigate that gap. Because if you've lived longer than a day, you know things don't always go the way you planned. Things don't always happen in the time frame in which you want them to happen. And what I want to share with you today is what it looks like to navigate that season. How we move from here to there. How we close the gap. How we handle circumstances and situations when things aren't always going the way we wanted and the challenges seem to be a little overwhelming. But you can get there. You can get there. You can close the gap and you can learn and you can grow and you can experience all that God is wanting you to experience. You can live with wisdom and live in the right direction and that's what Solomon, the writer of Proverbs chapter 4, is reiterating to us as we look at verse 20. I shared with you last week, Proverbs is what many theologians would say is the book of wisdom. It had three authors, but the primary author is Solomon and he wrote this chapter. Now what I love about this chapter is this, at the very top, when you look at it, it actually says a father's wise instruction you see Solomon is writing to his son and you think about the things that he's experienced and the wisdom that he has in fact he is living life it is said that when God met Solomon he said Solomon what do you want he could have had anything and he said give me wisdom to lead your people And God said, because you longed for the greater thing, I will give you both. God gave him wisdom and he gave him wealth, which ultimately gave him influence. And so he was writing and telling us in verse 5 through 7, as we read last week, and as I just previously showed you in this same chapter, he says what? He says, the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Gain wisdom and understanding at all costs. Every single one of us, no matter the season of life we're in, No matter how long we've been serving the Lord, can I tell you something? We can always get and obtain wisdom. There's always more wisdom. The wisest man in all the world said, get wisdom at all costs. And so even for me, as I read this and as we look at this and unpack these words of wisdom, there is always an aspect for every single one of us to recognize there's more wisdom to be obtained. We we can grow in our wisdom and how we learn, how we grow. We can grow in our wisdom and our understanding of who God is and what he's called us to do. And that's the benefit of the book of Proverbs is that Proverbs speaks so much to every aspect of our life. The truth is we will never arrive. The ultimate destination that we will get at is when we are in eternity in heaven with our heavenly father. That is the end goal. So I will never stop pursuing and obtaining wisdom until the day I breathe. My last breath. Don't confuse experience and longevity of life with having obtained all the wisdom in the world. They're not the same. So, what does it look like? What is Solomon saying? And here's what he says. We'll pick up in verse 20. He's continuing to say these, uh, share these words and these principles with us, and how I think we can extrapolate from there. What it looks like to live from here to there. Here's what he says, verse 20, he says, My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ears to my sayings, and let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all of your flesh. So he's saying, the life that you want, the healing you want to experience, can I tell you something? It's going to be found in pursuing wisdom pursuing depth, pursuing wisdom in your relationship with me. Verse 23, and I can remember reading this as a young Christian, the impact this had on my life and evaluating the things that I began to pursue. Verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder in other translations is also what he's saying is make level. Make level the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Don't swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You see, that's really what we all want. We want to be sure. Am I moving in the right direction? Am I living in the right direction? Am I seeing those? Am I obtaining wisdom and growing? High? You can be sure. You can be sure that you're moving in that way and you're growing in that way. And as you look at your life, you look at your marriage, you look at your family, you look at the decisions that you're making. You can live with wisdom. There's seven verses. Just in these seven verses, he says so much. He says, I want you to be attentive. Seek out truth. Look at what your eyes are looking on. Look at what you're putting inside. Tender to your heart and steward that. Look at what you are doing. Because what he's saying is this. What he's saying is that we have to recognize that how we navigate the distance between where we are and where we're going will determine how we arrive at our destination. How we navigate this gap in our life, it will determine how we arrive at the destination. Now, when I say how, I'm not talking about mode of operation. I'm not talking about the mode in which you get there. You're going, okay, how are we going to get to the destination? I mean, are we taking a plane? Are we taking a car? Are we taking a bike? Hot air balloon? P-Row? Kayak? What's going on? What are we doing? How are we getting there? That's not what I want you to get, and that's not what Solomon is talking about. He's not talking about how from the standpoint of mode. He's talking about how from the standpoint of condition. How is your heart? How is your soul? That all along the way, then, when when we don't deal with issues in our life, when we don't extend forgiveness, when we don't walk with healing, when we don't pursue wisdom, when we don't attend to the things and be attentive with the things we put in front of us, when we're not guarding our heart, when we're not seeking out truth, we may not arrive at the destination we long to be at in the condition that he desires for us to be at. How do we arrive there? So so how do we do that? How do we get there? How do we navigate the gap? How do we understand what that looks like? You see, because every journey is always moving. And you may not be where you want to be, but you don't evaluate the journey based on where you're at in the journey. You evaluate based on where you're going. You see, for many of us, you're looking at where you're at in the journey, and you're thinking to yourself, when I look at the gap from where I'm at to where I'm going, you're going, how did I get here? Well, why is, why is life, you may be overwhelmed by the gap in your life if you think things like this. It seems like everyone else is happy. When is it my turn? I, all I want, I have, I, there's so much I could be thankful for. My family, my house, my provision, but it feels like it's never enough. If you're going, man, I have, I have this job and, 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 and it pays the bills and it but I'm miserable why do I have to suffer through what life feels like? Why is my marriage the way it is? Why are my children the way they are? Your children may be going, why are my parents the way they are? Okay, let's just be honest, okay? it's it, 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 All of those things that you're experiencing, how do we navigate that? How do we live through that? So, so what I want to do over the next few minutes is I want to I help us understand how do we live from here to there? How do we close the gap in our life? The first is this. We have to choose our companions wisely by choosing wise companions. You got you to choose your companions wisely by choosing wise companions. That doesn't mean to have it all figured out, but that was what Solomon was pursuing. He said, look, I, I want wisdom. Give me wisdom to lead your people. You think about trips that you take. I remember on our honeymoon, we took an Alaskan cruise. You see, you know the difference between a tour guide and a travel agent? A travel agent is going to try and sell you on a place they may have never been. But a tour guide has experienced it firsthand, and they want to help you experience the same amazing experience that they had. You want more tour guides in your life than you want travel agents. And the problem is in the day and age we live with social media and social media platforms and technology and news, we have a lot of travel agents trying to sell you on something that they may have never experienced. But when you start listening to tour guides that have walked that road and you say, hey, let me help you see and understand and recognize what happens when you're on the principle of the path. When you live a life of wisdom, I'm not I don't have it all figured out. I may just be a little further ahead of you. Let's go and experience what a life in the right direction can be. That's who you want to listen to. I shared with you last week in Proverbs 1320. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. What does it take to walk with the wise? Well, it's going to take you taking action. There's gonna there, there may be a change in, in the people you're surrounding yourself with and the people you're listening to. The challenge is this: when God's word and His truth is not the ultimate voice, but the echo chamber of the people that simply are saying the same thing you want, you will always be confused and frustrated because it's now not God's word that is the ultimate voice. It's the ideology. It's the preference. It's the desire. It's the political party. Whatever position you have, when that becomes the echo chamber you listen to then you will always be frustrated and confused. That's why God says this right here is the ultimate authority. This will anchor you this will help you, this will allow you to go okay I know how to choose wise companions and choose wisely about the companions I have because when I do that's going to help me live from here to there that's going to help me close the gap in my life that I long to see happen. It's going to take you taking action. It's going to take you making a sacrifice, making a change. Things that you're familiar and comfortable with. I think so many times we experience the frustration in life and the season we're in because we're not willing to make the sacrifice to change. Until the pain of where you're at is greater than the pain of doing what it takes to move forward, you're going to keep staying where you're at. Plain and simple. That's what it comes down to. But God will help you, encourage you, has a plan and a purpose for you, but you have to be willing to choose wisely. And then it's going to take you having a level of commitment, committed to go the extra mile, committed to make the change, committed to take the next step. That's partly why we create an avenue in the way we do when it comes to growth track, relationships, Going through 101, 201. We're wrapping up a group of, uh, there's, we have a 301 group. There's about 20, 25 in that 301 group all together. And what's amazing is now that we're seven weeks in, Monday nights for seven weeks, they get together. And they're unpacking different vi- uh, foundational vision and values. And what happens is the longer we go, the more they enjoy it. They're like, man, we love getting together. When are we going to keep this small group going? What is it going to look like? What are we going to do? Why? Because they are beginning to surround themselves with people moving in the same direction, principally based on God's word, not just in preference and in ideology, but centered around God's word. That's what begins to make a change and an impact. And just on a side note, if you're going, well, make it real practical. Where does wisdom actually start? Can I tell you, for those of you that are married in here, wisdom is sitting next to you. Like, what? Yeah. God said it in Genesis. Jesus said it in in Matthew. And then Paul said it in Ephesians. The two shall become one. It's amazing to me how when I talk to husbands and they tell me, this is what we're going to do, this is what I want to do. Every time I'll ask them, what's your wife say about that? Well, I hadn't really turned. I'm like, why not? You're cutting off half of your wisdom. God gave you a gift. People ask me all the time, they're like, what does God's voice sound like, Pastor Chris? I'm like, well, I've, honestly, a lot of times sound like Wendy because she'll say something. I'm like, Lord, thank you. i receive you. That was you. I mean, give him praise, okay? It's like, all right. God has given you wisdom, and, and it, it goes for both of you. and Your spouse. Why is it the same is true? With your husband, there may be wisdom God is trying to give to you, but you've been hurt, you've been fearful. Maybe because of a previous marriage or relationship, or maybe because of a previous season that you and your husband were in, in your marriage, and it was difficult and it was hard. And so rather than leaning in and trusting that God may be working and speaking through your husband, you're hurt and you're fearful, and so you push away. You see, God wants to use your spouse. That's a real practical, simple way that you can recognize, wait, I can listen to the wisdom of the person sitting right next to me. Here's the second thing. If you're going to live from here to there, is you got to be willing to course correct. Course correct. I, I don't know about you, but any of you directionally challenged, if you're in here and you hear me say, am I directionally challenged? If you have to ask someone if you're directionally challenged, side note, you're directionally challenged. Okay? If you have to ask your spouse, am I directionally challenged? You're directionally challenged, okay? Here's the thing, though, for all of you directionally challenged people in here. I may or may not be married to one, so I get it, okay? I love you, baby, okay? Many things she's brilliant at. Direction, give them praise. Thank God for Google, okay? And when it, when it isn't working, it's a mess. But here's the thing I've learned about directionally challenged people. Here's what they want us to know. Here's what they want me to know. They never get lost on purpose. They don't mean to do it. I'm like, yeah, Wendy you call me, babe. I'm like, why did you do that? She's like, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, like I tried to get lost. But here's the second thing about direction challenged people. They never really know when they got lost. I don't know if any of you have ever gotten this call. Babe, I'm lost. How do I get to such and such? Well, where are you? Well, I don't know. That's why I'm calling you. I'm like. Well, I can't help you. Like, well, what's, where are you? What's around you? Trees, houses, buildings. Pretty vague. I mean, like, are you driving by the Statue of Liberty? Did you end up in Staten Island? I mean, what's going on? Where are you? You know, they never really know how it happened or when it happened. But in life, if you want to recognize, how did I get off course? Because it can happen. You could be moving in the right direction and you get off course. Can I tell you? Here's how you wreck it. We don't get off course for a lack of maps. This map. There's plenty of Bibles out there. In fact, some of you, most of you, actually, even on your phone, you have access to the ultimate map. So now I'm not talking about Google Maps and ways and directions. I'm talking about your life. How do we get off course? It's not for a lack of maps. What it is is we're not on a quest for truth. We're on a quest for happiness. What makes me... Happy. What makes me feel good? And you wonder why you are at where you're at because you have been pursuing your happiness rather than the truth. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus is talking. He's talking to a group of individuals and Jesus said this to the Jews. He said, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, when the cross of Christ crosses and intersects the highway of my happiness, it changes the decisions I make. I will now know where and how I need to course correct because God's word and the work of what Jesus did on the cross now is the determining factor, not my pleasure. You look up the definition of hedonism, what is it? It is the ultimate pursuit of self-pleasure. And the biggest challenge probably in Western world today, is the pursuit of pleasure. And until I begin to course correct from my personal pleasure to God's purpose for my life, and I allow his word to dictate that, then I'm going to continue to be off course. And it will be no wonder why we're not where we want or need to be. But you can course correct. And you will live from here to there. You will close the gap from where you're at to where you want to be if you're willing to course correct. But here's the, here's the third thing. is you, you have to be attentive to what's right in front of you. So, so just like we have directionally challenged people, perhaps we have distracted drivers in here as well. Any distracted drivers? I'm not talking about texting while you're driving. Although you probably shouldn't do that. And I should probably receive that wisdom as well. Being transparent. I mean, your pastor just trying to be uh, transparent. Got to work on it. But Wendy's like, you're the most distracted driver. I don't know. I like, I feel like I'm a I am a good driver. I'm fully aware, but I'm like aware of everything, you know. It's like, man, you know, you can remember like growing up, like maybe you're in the season, you've been teaching your kid. you're teaching your kids how to drive, or you remember this you're growing up. Tell you what, 10 and 2, right? Thank God for all you rule followers. You still, to this day, 10 and 2 drivers. I'm like, why are we telling them 10 and 2? We know where it's really at. Noon. Mm. (laughs) That arm gets tired, you just switch. Switch. But then some of you, I'm not kidding, some of y'all, it's more mainly the lady. I mean, y'all are just next-level drivers. It's like yoga in the car. You got feet up on a dashboard. You're, like, holding the steering wheel down here. I don't know how you're putting on uh, eyelashes and makeup. I'm like, that's talent. God help you. Distracted drivers. You see, we got to be attentive to what's right in front of us. We got to be aware. Why? Because as Paul wrote in Timothy, he actually said, you're running a race. He later writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, and this is what he equates that race to. He says, you're running well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from he, him who calls you, because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You see, when you think back to the London Underground, the subway, there's a whole world happening underneath the streets of London. Can I tell you something? There's a whole world happening on underneath what you just see on the surface. Paul said it this way. When he talks in Ephesians, he said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the rulers and powers, the authorities of this dark world. It's a very spiritual battle, but you have to be attentive to what's going on. If you were here a few weeks ago and you heard Pastor Chris Hodges, he talked about you have a very real enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking who he can steal. He wants to steal, kill, destroy. When you're aware of what's around you, you become more heightened. To the purpose. You don't get distracted. You, you don't get off course because this is what begins to happen. You want to know one of the greatest causes of most traffic accidents is when people get off course and they over correct. They, they, they're not paying attention and they, they hit the, the shoulder and it surprises them. They over correct and come into oncoming traffic with a head on collision. And for some of you, you've had a head on collision in your marriage, in your life, in your family. You're recognizing that, oh, I need to course correct, and I see some things that need to make a change, and what begins to happen is you overcorrect. And so the same way you have to be aware of the attack of the enemy, you have to recognize that as you course correct and you close the gap and you move from here to there, don't overcorrect. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Chris? Help me understand that. What I mean is this, is when you recognize God's wanting to do something in your heart or your life, or maybe there was a fracture or an area of mistrust in your marriage or with your children or with a business partner, the tendency is to latch onto control, to over-control, to be motivated out of fear because you don't want to get hurt. And what happens is you end up driving away the very thing that you're trying to draw close. Don't over-correct. Be attentive But here's the other thing that you do when you're being attentive is you're grateful where you're at. It's amazing to me how often, and I'm guilty of it, in the middle of my journey as I'm going from here to there. As I recognize the gaps in my life, it's amazing how complaining can creep in. I just wish I was further. I wish this, that, fill in the blank, whatever it is, When you would, if you would start being more grateful for where you're at within the journey, you'd start appreciating, being attentive and more grateful for what God's actually wanting to do in you now. Because what he's doing in you now is preparing you for where you're going. Which leads to the last thing. If you're going to live from here to there, stay the course. Stay the course. I want to encourage you. Some of you are like, "Man, I recognize. I've course corrected, and 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 I, I'm moving in the right direction now. I'm not living by intention, and, and I want to. Encourage, you're, you're overwhelmed. You're a little tired. You're not as far, farther along as you want. That gap seems so big. It's overwhelming. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep moving forward. And I love. I was actually listening to Psalms 119 this morning, but I want to share it with you in the message translation. It says this. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insight so I can do what you tell me. My whole life, one long obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Give me a bent for your words of wisdom and not piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets and invigorate me on the pilgrim's way. Affirm your promises to me. Promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of my critics, but what you say is always so good. See how hungry I am for your counsel and preserve my life through your righteous ways. Three little things I want to give you to stay the course. First is this, walk humbly. In our our marriage, our family series, we talked about humility because I think the real key to any relationship a good foundational key is humility walk with humility he he says this the writer in psalm says give me insight so i can do what you tell me my whole life one long obedient response you see humility leads to teachability Humility is what allows you to understand that what I do today is connected to where I end up tomorrow. The choices I make have consequences, good and bad. And when you recognize that, even if you make a mistake, you don't lose, you learn. So sometimes you can win and sometimes you can learn, but you never lose if you're winning to learn from your mistakes. If you walk with humility, repent, make it right go to that person, ask for forgiveness. You can choose to humble yourself or you can choose to be humbled by difficult experiences. So walk with humility, but then respond with transparency. You're gonna stay the course if you respond with transparency. The writer of Psalms said, guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. I can only be guided down what I ask for. When you ask For wisdom and perspective. You see, honesty is good, but transparency is great. Honesty is fine, but transparency is freeing. If someone asks you the right question, you'll be honest, but transparency is, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what's really going on. And what happens is you can't, whatever you conceal cannot be healed. There are things in your life that you keep concealing that, God can't come in and heal that. Sometimes it takes you exposing that and going, here's where I'm really at. What is that? It's called transparency. You will stay the course if you respond with transparency as you recognize things in your life. And then live consistently. Live consistently. He says this, give me a bent for your words of wisdom and not piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets and invigorate me on the pilgrim's way. I love that. One long life of obedience. It's one long obedient response. That's what my life is. You know, when I think about what it looks like to stay the course, the first thing I think of is Jesus. I'm grateful that Jesus stayed the course. I think about him being in the garden. God, not my will, but thy will be done. What did he do? He stayed the course, and because he did, he paid the price for you and for me. This week, as I was thinking and praying for you, this scripture stuck out to me and I wanna share it with you and leave it with you. As you think about areas of your life, you may be going, I need a course correct. I need to choose my companions wisely. I, I need to stay the course. God, I-, I need to be encouraged to do that. I wanna encourage you with this, Psalms thirty-eight-eight. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I love the first part of that. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. So personal. The Lord will do it, he's gonna fulfill it. He has a purpose. In fact, take the word me out and put your name there. The Lord will fulfill his purpose. For Chris, he will do it. And you may not be where you want to be. And there may be a big gap from where you're at to where you want to be. But if you keep living from here to there and you keep closing the gap by course correcting and choosing your companions wisely, being attentive, but most importantly, staying the course, you'll get there. You'll get there.